0: Well, many of you know that I've been enjoying the uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls sports documentary called The Last Dance, and uh, whenever I watch sports or learn about sports, I'm I'm always looking for some type of lesson that I can apply in my own life. Uh, And the Bulls of the 90s, they have a lot of lessons for us uh, about leadership, both good and bad. Let's be clear, there are some bad uh, leadership styles going on as well uh, with the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. John Maxwell, a well-known leadership expert, he was also a pastor before he went into the secular business world, uh, but he has famously made the claim that everything rises and falls on leadership. You know, in many ways, this was true of the Bulls when the leader, when the leaders and the leadership were working together well, uh, when Phil Jackson and MJ and Scotty and the management uh, were all pulling in the same direction, great things happened, but. When they stopped working together well, things went sour, the dynasty was disbanded, and sadly, the bulls really haven 't recovered since. Everything rises and falls on leadership, and for better or for worse, that means that uh, all institutions, businesses, organizations, and the like they are subject to the rising and falling based on who is leading and how they are leading. I think there is a part of there's something inside of us that wants to be part of a movement that has great leadership there is something in our hearts that craves good and healthy leadership we all want leaders we can trust we want a, we want a leader who uses authority properly a leader who brings life and energy into our lives a leader who cares for us personally and leads us to be better people and we want a leader who is focused on a mission and he will lead us to accomplish a great goal. Brothers and sisters, the good news that I have for you this morning is that Jesus Christ is the leader of the church. Jesus Christ is the leader that your heart has been longing for. He is the head of the church. Now, of course, in God's grace, there are, uh, Jesus gives local churches leaders. Elders, deacons, pastors, and the like. But in truth, the church of Jesus Christ has only one leader. And that's Jesus himself. He is the head. And all of our hope, all of our dependence, and all of our power comes from Jesus. And we can be confident that his leadership will be good leadership. So this morning, we're continuing our sermon series called, Who is Jesus Now? And this really is asking the question, uh, what is Jesus up to now that he's ascended to heaven? And so far, uh, I'll remind you, we have said that he's our risen Lord. He's our hope. He's our always present shepherd, and he is the perfecter of our faith. And today, I want to speak to you about the reality that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. This was the passage that was read for us this morning. And it's this wonderful, amazing theological treatise about who Jesus is and what has happened to him since he was resurrected. Uh, And I'd like to, um, actually I don't think I have it on the screen, so I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, Paul says, He raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. He's ascended. He's above every rule and authority. And then it says in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 1, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Based on this text and other uh, verses of scripture, I want to give to you four points about what it means for Jesus Christ to be the head of the church. Number one is this. As head of the church... Jesus is the supreme authority of his church. Jesus is the supreme authority for his church. Now, this may be a somewhat obvious reality. Uh, Paul has just said Jesus has ascended to heaven. It's the, he's above every authority, above every name that can be named, above every power. God's placed everything under Jesus' feet. Friends, this is the reason the early church's confession was Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord and King of the whole universe. And if that's true, then of course he's going to be the leader and the head of the church as well. And in verse 22, it says, God placed all things under his feet and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Notice it says, head over everything. In other words, there is not one aspect Of the church's life together that is not under the authority and leadership of Jesus Christ Jesus is Lord over every committee over every board over every ministry team every church meeting every Sunday school class every youth group meeting every band practice and choir practice every virtual small group every virtual church lobby Jesus is Lord over that space but the question is are we going to act like he is in charge or like we are in charge. See, Jesus is Lord of the worldwide church, but he's also Lord of every congregation. He's the head of our church. He's the head of Faith Covenant Church. And we have to be asking, are we allowing Jesus to lead us? You see, even though Jesus is Lord of the whole world, uh, the world is in principle still in rebellion to him. They They don't submit to his leadership as of yet. But the church is supposed to be different. The church is the community of people who have said yes to Jesus being their Lord. They have submitted their, their lives to his Lordship. So the church, we have, we have a special relationship to Jesus and his leadership. Uh, and Jesus has this special relationship with his church, not only because he is Lord of the whole world, but also because he is the church's founder. He's the one who started this whole thing. It's called the church of Christ. It's his church. I, I, this passage in Hebrews, that we're, we're maybe not as familiar with this, but there's some amazing truths in here I'd love to show you. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle, oh, that's interesting, we'll come back to that, as our apostle and our high priest, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been, been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. And we are his house. Let me point out a few things. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is called an apostle? What does that mean? Because we're familiar with the 12 apostles. You know, Jesus' original 12 disciples who Jesus sends out. And what does he do? He commissions them to be missionaries. They're the first church planters. They're they're establishing his kingdom, his people. The word apostle just means one who is sent. And so Jesus is the one who is sent by God to begin this movement called the church. He is the original church planter. He is the CCPO, chief church planting officer. This is what Jesus does. This is what he did. He is the chief pastor. He is the master builder. He is the foundation, the cornerstone, the architect, the designer, the general contractor, and the builder. He is the builder of the house of God, his church. You know, Jesus has many titles. But I believe head of the church is one that deserves special recognition because it's his relationship with us. It's a title of great honor. And we must give our Lord that honor because we are his church, we are his body, we are his house. So that's number one. As head of the church, Jesus is the supreme authority in his church. Number two, as head of the church, Jesus is the church's life source. He's the church's life source. Paul says he is head over everything for the church, which is his body. Now, the word head, it's the word kephale in the Greek, um, and typically this means uh, just a leader in the, in, in the metaphorical sense. You know, we say things like, you know, she's the head of school, or she's the head of the department. Uh, that's the, in other words, they're the leader. Uh, but head in the Greek can also have another meaning uh, that means source or origin. Uh, we say in English like the head of the river. The head of the river is its source. It's the origin. It's where the river begins its course. It's where the river finds its movement and life. In the same way, Christ is the head of the body. Yes, as the leader, but also as the source. The source of life and vitality in the body. And, you know, my head tells my limbs what to do right? I'm going to tell my arm, move here, and it moves here. I'm going to tell this arm to move here. It's going to move here. You see, do you notice, in the very same instance, my limbs are directed by my mind, and they are filled with life by what my brain is telling it to do. So it gets guidance and life. Marcus Barth, the son of Karl Barth, a scholar in his own right, he said this, the head Fills the body with powers of movement and perception, and thereby inspires the whole body with life and direction. The leader, but also the source of life. You see, apart from the head, the body will die. We are, and the Bible says that we are dead in our sins. We are dead apart from our connection to God. If we're not connected to the risen and ascended Christ, we are dead in our sins but this is the mystery of what the apostle paul said in galatians two twenty, and i want you to ask yourself would you say this would you say this about your life paul says i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me would you say that about your life That's what's theologically true, and we have to get that down into the depths of our soul until we wrestle with it and we come to grips with it, and we proclaim, yes, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Friends, we could not have a more vital connection with Jesus Christ. You see, Paul, at the same time, he says, we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. How does that work? You know, I think an illustration of this reality, uh, is the best one I can probably give, comes from Jesus himself. He was pretty good at giving illustrations. And uh, in John 15, uh, Jesus gives this illustration and he says to his disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. See, the vine is what causes the branches to grow and to produce life, to produce Fruit. And if if the branches fall off and don't remain connected to the vine, they lose their connection to the source of life. They lose that connection to the vitality, what's causing them to grow and be alive. And at the very same time, it's true that when they're connected, the vine is in the branches and the branches are in the vine. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. Christ. There could not be a more vital connection between Jesus who is ascended in heaven, but we are connected to him by the power of his spirit within us. This is a wonderful, wonderful truth that we believe and, and we also proclaim. You know, this is a reality, this is a promise, but it's also something that we have to live into both as individuals and as a church. Do you remember what Jesus said about the vine and the branches? He said to his disciples, Abide in me, and apart from me, you can do nothing. So friends, if we don't remain connected, if we don't, as I talked about a couple weeks ago, if we don't open ourselves up to Christ's presence, he's always with us, but we have to abide. We have to open ourselves up to his presence and allow his life to fill us and to fill our church if we don't do that we will wither away our passion for jesus will wane our passion for his body will wane and our productivity for the kingdom will wane as well all of these things we lose when we don't abide and tend to the source of life in the body but when we abide with him we know that his life will animate us and strengthen us and this brings me to my third point as head of the church number three Jesus cares for and strengthens his body. Jesus cares for and strengthens his body. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we, oftentimes, don't take care, great care of the bodies that we've been given. Uh, some of us do better than others. Uh, but Jesus, rest assured, always, always takes care of his body. And we are his body. I want you to look, uh, look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 He says no one ever hated their own body but they feed and care for their body just as christ does for the church for we are members of his body notice that there is a a feeding and a caring there's a there's a sustenance there's a nourishment there's a compassion and a a tenderness that our lord has for us his body and he also wants to strengthen us and you might be asking well how is he going to feed and care and nurture this body well, this is, go next slide, this is a little bit of a long quote. It's going to go on to one more slide, actually, after this. But this is how the risen Lord, the ascended Lord, is, is building and strengthening us, his body. And look, it starts out with a, a quote about the ascension. The one who had descended, that's Jesus, is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. Now, what is Jesus doing now, ascended? He himself gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach, look what he's trying to do, unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son and growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the teachings of deceit, techniques of deceit, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Whew, that was a lot there. I think that was important to to quote in full. Now, if you, ever, if you ever lift weights, try to exercise, uh, you, you know that you can focus on different parts of your muscles. And you, just, you might say, okay, well, I want to get my legs stronger, so I'm going to squat or I'm going to do lunges. And you, or you might say, you know, I want to get my upper body stronger, so I'm going to do push-ups or pull-ups or bench press. Um, you know, in Jesus, he has different areas of the body, his church, that he wants to strengthen. And he, uh, Paul lists them in that passage in Ephesians 4. Jesus wants to strengthen his body and the unity of the faith, the knowledge of himself, spiritual maturity, resilience against false teaching, and he wants to strengthen our ability to speak the truth and love to one another in his body. Now, how does Jesus accomplish this? How does he strengthen all of these areas of the body of Christ? Well, friends, it's, it's in the same exact way that we would strengthen our own bodies, It's the beauty of this metaphor. And what he does is he gets the body to do the work. You see, if I want to get my arm stronger, I get my arm to do the work. If I want to get my body stronger, I get it moving, I get it exercising, I get it to work. And Jesus does this in the same way. And In verse 11 and 12, it says Jesus gives the, the leaders, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to what? to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. In other words, Jesus himself appoints leaders in the church, leaders under him, not to do all the ministry, but to equip the saints so that every member is doing ministry together. It's an every member ministry. You know, this is one of the values that we have at Faith Covenant Church, one of our every statements. We believe in our church that every member is a minister. Every member has a ministry. You know, I know this is a weird time right now. Uh, We're not serving church, our, our church family, in the same ways. But I can tell you this. The head of this church, the head of this body, still wants to see in every member ministry. He still wants to see every part doing its job, supporting the work of the whole, so that the body of Christ is built up and strengthened. And so you might want to be asking the head, asking the Lord, how do you want me to use my gifts in this season to strengthen your body? How do you want me to support and strengthen my church? How do you want me to minister to my church family? And listen for what God will ask and and inspire you to do. And I believe it's similar to what JFK said about the U.S. We shouldn't be asking what the church can do for us. We should be asking Jesus what we can do for his church. We should love it like Jesus loves his body. Finally, that's the reading. Let's go to number four. And finally, as head of the church, Jesus leads the church to fulfill the mission he started. He leads the church to fulfill the mission he started. The Apostle Paul says that, uh, God appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Then it says this amazing sentence, the body which is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now, let's be clear about something. When, when Jesus ascended to heaven, let me, re- let me remind you, he ascended as a resurrected man. He, in heaven, Jesus is still fully God. He is fully man. He didn't shed his body when he went to heaven. No, he ascended as the resurrected Lord. And so, uh, when, as Jesus is in heaven, he still has literally a body, okay? So then when we, when we talk about the fact that we are his body, we're talking about in a metaphorical sense, right? Strictly metaphorically, we are the body of Jesus on earth. And the reason we need, that Jesus needs us as his body on earth is because even though his presence surrounds us uh, in the spiritual realm of heaven, which, remember, is connected to earth, even though he's there, his presence from there is intangible. It's invisible to the naked eye. And so Jesus needs us to be the tangible expression of his presence, of his love, of his light, of his truth, and of his grace. See, Paul says, we're the fullness of him who fills everything. And I like how one biblical scholar uh, says we can paraphrase this. Francis Fulk says, God's purpose is that the church should be the full expression of Jesus Christ. We are the expression of Jesus Christ on earth. So yes, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his, his mouth. We are the tangible expression of Jesus Christ on earth the fullness of him. Friends, Jesus Christ was just getting started when he announced the kingdom of God in his earthly ministry. And now through us, Jesus is continuing his ministry of preaching the good news, of taking care of the poor and the oppressed. So we continue this, this work and the message of Christ. And I believe I'll give you one more quote from William Barclay who just sums this up so perfectly just as the ideas of the mind cannot become effective without the work of the body the tremendous glory which christ brought to this world cannot be made effective without the work of the church and paul goes on to say that jesus is bit by bit filling all things in all places and that the act of filling is being worked out by the church this is one of the most tremendous thoughts in all christianity it means nothing less than that god's plan for this one world is in the hands of the church guys we are God's plan for redeeming this world we are God's plan for extending his kingdom there's no plan B we are it we are his ambassadors so it's a wonderful privilege but it's also a terrifying responsibility we are the ones responsible for spreading this good news for sharing the gospel, for being the body of Christ in this world. So friends, even though this is a great responsibility, I think we can take comfort in the fact that it's not all, it's not all dependent upon us. Because I believe Jesus, no matter what, is going to finish what he started. Amen? He is going to finish this work Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church Church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing will prevail against, against it. The church is going to overcome all the powers of darkness and death. The church has in the past and it will in the future prevail over violence and injustice and natural disasters and pandemics and all the powers of evil. Nothing will prevail against the church of Christ because Jesus is the head of his church. So friends, this is why we must never ever give up on the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still building his church and we will prevail. The the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Or I believe in the Holy Christian Church. Friends, do you believe? I believe in the church. I really believe in the church. Why do I believe in the church in spite of all her failures? Why do I keep on believing, even in spite of all the brokenness that we see in the church today? I keep believing because I know who is the leader of the church. I know who is the head of the church. If everything rises and falls on leadership, as John Maxwell said, then the church of Jesus Christ is going to rise. It is going to rise because we have the greatest leader ever in the history of the universe. And Jesus himself will ensure that the church will prevail and will continue to expand and shine light in the darkness until he comes again. So friends, don't give up on the church. Don't give up on being a part of the body of Christ. We are God's plan for the world. We are the fullness of him. What a privilege. What a responsibility we have. Let me recap what I've said today. As head of the church, Jesus is the supreme authority of his church. He is this, the church's life source. He cares for and strengthens his body. And he leads the church to fulfill the mission that he started. That's what it means for Jesus to be the head of the church. Now, what can we do to put this into practice? Because I think our, our problem most of the time is we believe this stuff, but it doesn't actually affect how we do church together. It doesn't really affect, yeah, Jesus is the head, he's the leader, but is he really? are we acting like he really is the head of this body? How can we do that? And this is what we have to do. Friends, we must learn to let Jesus lead us. We must learn how to do this. We don't we don't do this naturally. So we have to learn. And we could write a whole book on this subject, but there are a few prayers that I would like to commend to us as a church family that we can put into practice and they're so easy. You can remember how to do them anywhere you are, any meeting you're in. And by the way, remember Around here in our church, every meeting's a prayer meeting. I know it's catching on. I know people are praying together more when you're having Zoom meetings and your small groups are meetings, uh, when the boards are meetings. I know you're praying more, and that's wonderful. And here are some prayers we can do together to let the head lead the body. So the first thing, the first prayer that allows Jesus to lead us is the prayer of indifference. And this is to say, as Jesus said in the garden, Lord, not my will, but your will. You know, we often come into the church with our own ideas, with our own wants and desires for how things should be, how, how the ways that we think church should be run, the ways that we think programs should be run, the ways that we think small groups should be run. We have all kinds of ideas. And when we're trying to discern what the church should do, we just hopefully want the church to do what, what we would like the church to do. And, and I have this too. But when we're discerning, what is Jesus trying to do in Faith Covenant Church? What is Jesus trying to do in my local church? And we have to start, in order to discern that, you have to start by saying, Lord, I'm indifferent. I am indifferent to anything but your will. I'm laying all my agendas, all my desires aside. Not my will, but yours be done. And until you can say that, we're not gonna be able to receive or even want the discernment that Jesus is going to offer us. So after we pray that, we're ready to pray the second prayer. This is the prayer for wisdom. This comes out of James 1. You know, if, any, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who is, who is willing to give generously, if we don't doubt. So we ask simply, Lord, give us wisdom about this. Give us wisdom about our building campaign. Give us wisdom about how to navigate through this coronavirus season. Give us wisdom on how to build a structure around children's ministry and youth ministry. Give us wisdom about what to do, Lord. And then we pray that. And then what do we do after that? Finally, number three, we pray the prayer of quiet trust. So after we ask for wisdom, we have to spend some time in silence, spend some time in quiet to calm ourselves and figure out what the Lord is saying. This comes out of Psalm 131, which says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with matters too great or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. I am like a weaned child. I am content. So we just, we go into the Lord's presence. We've asked for wisdom. And now we say, Lord, these matters are too great for me. I need your guidance I'm just going to listen, I'm going to be content. So that means we might have to structure, means we will have to structure some silence and some, and some listening, even into our board meetings, into our, into our groups, into our uh, life together as a church, so that we can listen to what the head is directing the body to do. See, we have to move from theory into practice. We say Jesus is the head, but are we allowing him to lead? And friends, if we can do even just these simple practices, these simple prayers, we will be living more into the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord and head of our church, of our church family. And the more that we allow Jesus to do that, the more that we're gonna see victory, the more that we're gonna see Jesus bringing life and vitality into our church. And we will be part of this wonderful movement called the church with Jesus as our leader, leading us to ultimate victory and to everlasting life. Praise God that Jesus Christ is our leader. He's our head.